Hello. Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope. And I'm Lily Fox. And this week we are talking about session styling and things that take you out of the salon. And we have two very interesting guests who juggle, balance, flip between, however you want to describe it, working in the salon and doing a lot of session work, I know. So our first guest is Simon Webster of Simon Webster Hair in Brighton. Simon I know splits your time a lot between working in the salon and going out and doing shows and your team also I know go out of the salon yes, to different projects yeah. so you're also a guest artist for KMS Hair and a freelance educator sure. so we will be very interested to hear what you have to okay. say. Mm-hmm. And uh, joining Simon we've got Brendan O'Sullivan who is the owner and salon director of his own salon the Brendan O'Sullivan Hair and Beauty in mm-hmm. Amersham in Buckinghamshire and aside from the salon that Brendan's got he's got 30 years of experience in the industry having trained in at Sassoon in London and in LA and travels the world doing what sounds like billions of fashion shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> quite a lot um, so yeah welcome Brendan welcome hi. Simon hi great so Simon, kick us off with where you are at the moment as a salon owner, but also somebody who does session work. Okay, yeah. So um, my salon's based in Brighton. We've got a team of around about twenty now, um, but the team is split up between sort of self-employed and employed. Um, and it's a good mix of people. There's people working on industry shows, um, education, and we've also got a mix of people that work in session as well, including myself. So. Um, I think where the um, self-employed basis works really well is a lot of the guys that are doing a session can have the opportunity to put themselves out on a column at the salon and still do as I do is go and do a show or do a shoot and then still come back and do our clients so we can dip in and out either way but um, and did that start with you were you did you start doing session work first and then you've now built a team including people who also like doing it or or were you driven by them asking to do it yeah no I think um, I'd already been doing quite a bit of session work before I opened this salon um, Sun Webster Hair opened up in Brighton in 2012 um, but I've been doing session probably for just over 15 years now so um, I'd already been doing quite a few shows and quite a few shoots with um, various different artists um, mm. and I think that when we opened up I think we played on that we used that as a sort of pull in to bring people in to work for the salon yeah. and I think as we've progressed over the last maybe seven years we've drawn on uh, can I say a better calibre of staff yeah. because they've seen us working in Paris and, and, and working on various shoots and stuff that they've actually been drawn and think actually well, I want a piece of that as well yeah. and so actually made we it get a lot of, lot of people coming in with our CVs for their CVs although in Brighton we get a lot of CVs from London so and their main thing is yes I've done this show I've worked on this shoot so I think they like the idea of having an opportunity to work mm. in the salon that accepts someone to be able to work in a salon and to still go out and do the other the yeah. other shows yeah. and the importance of it and, and how it benefits them as a, an artist and as for the salon That's, benefit as well. Mm. And for Brendan, for you, which came first? Was it your, your session career, if you like, or the salon that came first? For me, I think the hairdressing industry is fantastic because I've had several different careers and there's so many different ways that you can go and develop your career so um, after working for a large company for 15 years um, I then opened my own salon and um, I've only been um, session hairdressing probably for three years two years as an assistant 
And then last February, I started working on my own. So um, I have a salon and I do the session work, which is quite unusual. Yeah, it's really interesting. So how, how does that work then? Simon spoke a little bit about his team and how they kind of flip between the both. Do you have the same in your salon? Or is it just yourself that leads the session work? There's four of us. I try and get all of the team out to work on a show. And the reason uh, why I do that is because of on the website, we have each of the team members, we have a biography. I want it to say that everybody's worked in Paris or they've worked in Milan or they've worked in New York. So I encourage them, not all of them, because otherwise you wouldn't have a business if they're all out every season. But um, it's almost like it's on a rotor basis so that we can write their biographies. It's going to make them look more appealing when a stylist goes on to look at who they're going to have cut their hair and they think oh, they work in Paris. Yeah. Um, it also gives them a story to talk about to the client, you know, that they, they can talk and sound professional but really stand out in their area. Yeah, because I think actually even as a consumer... It, the concept of a session stylist is much more well known these days because magazines such as Grazia will will credit and will talk about the teams behind the shows and in Star Magazine and so on in a way that perhaps they didn't years ago so it's more attractive as a customer to think that your salon is I think part of that also a few now almost celebrity session stylists mm. you know people like Sam McKnight who had an exhibition mm. at Sunset House yeah last year or the year before I can't remember now but that also kind of all loops in doesn't it and your clients understand what session is a little bit more I think that I think that's brought the session industry not to where it is today because it was already flourished but I think <clears throat> I don't always think it makes it easier for people to get into session styling sometimes because I think that obviously like Sam like you mentioned he mm. obviously he was the so godfather of how it all started really of, of session yeah. styling um, and then there became a trend as uh, chefs became celebrities and all of a sudden it all kind of you know it's the it's I know that the social media side of aspects of everything else it's it's the fame of everything yeah. else and everyone wants that bit of fame and <clears throat> rightly so if you've got a business if you've got to be able to market your business and be able to bring them the same you know if you or your team can mention to your your clients yes we've been working in Paris we did this shoot that show you know they talk and that also builds a clientele up within your son and well if they're doing this <clears throat> then we want to go there um, quick example um, many many years ago I've worked on a show um, and um, I was going through some photographs with one of our guys that does a lot of session and he said did you do that so yeah it was, it was Rosie Huntington White I didn't even know who oh, she yes. was and she yeah. wasn't even really famous then um, and um I thought, crikey, anyway, I don't know how it came about. I had a client come in uh, to the salon from France. She'd had a, um, she had, she raised horses and stuff like that. And she came into the salon. She said, I said, how did you find out about us? You're not local. She said, I, I saw this clip in a, a magazine. I can't what magazine it was. And it was about yeah. Brighton. And it said, having styled the, the tresses of Rosie Huntington, Whiteley, Simon Webster's the person to see to get yeah. your hair done. I think, wow. And I thought, where did that come from? But I mean, yeah. this is how this can work and if, if you can do that and your team can do that yeah. then it, it, it proves how your business can grow with that yeah. as well because do you think it is a much more blended career opportunity now so Brendan you remarked that you had various different sort of aspects to your career I think it is quite a thing now to have a portfolio career not even just for hairdressers but in other worlds you, you don't just have a job for life that you start from school 
and to bring it back to Sam again I know Sam's only ever really done session work but now I think it's much more I don't know what whether is it more usual or more acceptable or more the thing to perhaps do try different things and go from a salon to session to education and other things well I've seen um, a few people that have worked for large companies for years and years and been at the heads of them and then suddenly you know they've they've moved away and they're they're doing something on their own completely different which is quite a big thing when you've worked for somebody from a very young age and you've grown up within that business so I think there is a natural progression for people to to move into other things I mean I'm doing session work but I'm also currently working on a customer service book a program and um and a film with one of my clients and um you know it's it's there's always something within this industry that you can you know if you choose to go that route there will be an audience and a market for it very exciting and do you think that the fashion world accepts hairdressing more now because again going back sort of a couple of decades 20 years it was a bit like you know you left hairdressing and you went into the fashion world to do session work do you does the fashion world has it become a bit more open to hairdressing I think the fashion world has, um, you know, when you look um, in a magazine, you'll see a lot more consumer magazines where it will have behind the look, how the look was achieved, um, how you can achieve the look yourself, which hairdressers were doing what on what look, yeah, uh, on what yeah. show. So there's definitely um, an interest in in hair as being an accessory like everything else. I think you're right, actually. I think actually when you look at, um, if you, unless you're working couture shows where you know we worked for Eugene once we did Margiela's show and it was so much preparation it was gold glitter in the hair and stuff like that unless you're doing that if you look at normal editorials a lot of the hair is very wearable mm. and Soft, it's achievable it? and it's things you could do in the salon and I think you know um, clients themselves are getting really good at doing their own hair now I mean the products have become incredible the tools have become incredible and if we can create them looks within the salon for what we've done on the shoot, then they know they can achieve that look. I mean, go back 20, 30 years, you do these most amazing blow dries and someone will come out of the salon and go, that looks great, but I'm never going to be able to do yeah, this myself. Yeah. But now everything, you know, looking at every, every mags of Vogue and everything else, it is a very achievable hair. And I think a lot of the shows are more like that as well, ready yeah. to wear shows as well, so... Yeah, you can relate that to the hair to the to the fashion. Then I think the biggest change in my salon um, since I've been session styling and the team have been on it is probably the finish of the hair, Um, and that is you know it's a lot more softer, it's more editorial looking. The team understand that you know you don't have ringlets that look like you've been Irish dancing and that kind of thing it's like there's so many different ways to you know wave the hair and style the hair and then pull it out and make it look different Mm. and use powder sprays or you know the the, the world is your oyster really it's a great finishing school for any stylist to spend a bit of time because the I guess the pressure and the speed and and the finish that you have to create so what does make a good when you're building your team so I know you've um most recently this year led a lot of teams which is so for the benefit of people listening as mm-hmm. Brendan mm-hmm. explained to me before we came on to broadcast on air yes <laughs> on air that um, as a lead you would put have the commission almost and get the brief and put your team together to then go and work at the show with you so what would you look for what sort of attributes 
Um, is there a certain level of skill or is it more about the personality of the stylist that would make them good to join your team? Even a variety of skills, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's people that are obviously qualified. Um, what um, I tend to do is do it almost like a training session. So I get everybody together, I go through the whole look from start to finish and then my first assistant will then go along the line and they'll get everybody started, they'll make sure they're using enough product. Um, it's literally like a step by step. So some of the guys that work on my team are barbers that don't really do women's hair, but um, wow. they're able to do the session hair mm. because it's really led through step by step um, as they go through. I mean, I tend to try and finish everything off myself. And I mean, I've, I've done shows with 70 and I've literally finished wow. all 70 oh my off <laughs> so that they have a continuality of, of, of the look all the yeah. way through. But um, if they don't, as I've developed the team, um, I have like then a core team. So all the people in the core team, I know um, who are the ones that can achieve the look the same way that I can, that yeah. I can do it. Yeah. So... You know, going back to it, I think that um, there is a starting point and, um, you know, I would say it's it's just somebody that's qualified hairdresser and that they're really passionate and they, they want to do it. Yeah, and take direction. That's interesting. If So you talk about um, almost running it like a training session or like a step-by-step. Step. Mm -hmm. When you then take that look maybe back to your salon afterwards, well, not that you would take it back, but as in you've come back from the show, do your stylists and your employees want to kind of get in on that do they want you to teach them how that look was created if that makes sense yeah they do and I mean don't get me wrong I mean if I went to a test mm -hmm. and it was something that was highly skilled and it was some braids or it was um, a, a hair up I may have to change the team and then seek out mm -hmm. you know much more experienced people um, but yeah um, generally um, you know a lot of the undone looks and the looks that we're seeing right now um, when I go back to the salon we we tend to um, you know we'll go through the look with the rest of the team that haven't been there that way everybody's on a journey with each yeah. season you know we're building it up and it feels quite inclusive as well I suppose Simon do you do a, a similar thing yeah we're doing exactly the well? same yeah so um, whenever shows we've been on a pitch and I think it's interesting we think would be ideal for the team to learn We'll have an evening session, we'll have a couple of models in the salon, yeah. or however many there is, and we'll go through the look, this is what we did missing Yaki, or whatever it would be, and if it's relevant. But I think actually touching on um, the education side of it, and, and I think I think looking at Fashion Week, I've never really wanted to lead a show, because I actually, for me, it was always a learning ground for techniques that you would never find within the salon. Mm -hmm. um, for our transplant state, like the um, if you wanted the girl's hair to sort of move a lot of movement down on the runway, and they've got loads of hair, how to braid underneath and lose the amount of hair, um, how to add hair, how to thicken hair out, bulk it out, adding hair in, and, and so on and so forth. So, I think it's, it's all about very much about the technique that you possibly wouldn't use and use in the salon or learn in the salon. So, for the last 15 years, I've drawn on all these different people I've worked with because for me, it's I love doing my own creations I go into a bit of a mad world of Tim Walker and yeah. people like that you know and, and Julian Dees of, yeah. of the most incredible artwork I see it's an art form so I've drawn on everything I've worked with these people uh, to, to, to apply it to my own work and what about from the point of view of being an employer 
to have people who blend working in the salon with going off to do very exciting perhaps you know what seems to be very sort of glamorous roles is it um how does it work coming back to the salon and it's kind of like you know now it's just another tuesday it sometimes it's a bit of a relief <laughs> yes i'd agree you know, yeah, kind of, when you're around from city to city you know yeah you know brendan's worked a ridiculous amount this year but there's times you know i think most i've probably done is about 30 shows in one season but you know you are going from city to city and sometimes you're getting ridiculously early call times or you know if you're working on on the prep for some shows can then mm. like three days this year veterans in january that was that was quite full on and that's nothing part of the show so actually when you do come back from the salon for me i feel quite <clears throat> i think it, it it makes me put my eye back onto work much more you know i'll have a client come in and i think well we've had to be so focused on the work we've had to do not that we don't generally in the salon no, no, but, but i mean yeah. it, you know designers are picking out every single thing and as you know they look these designers can change the look in the last half an hour they go actually you know well you know production team go actually we don't like this we want to change that so you've got to think really quick yeah so it, as much as you've got to know your skills you've got to know your products um you've also got to be wits about everything else as well so you sometimes come back and think actually being in the salon is actually quite a bit more calmer and a lot easier sometimes yeah. and for the people coming back into the salon do you if you're there working away with the team and then a couple of people come back from doing some session work or, or whatever it is do you see them slotting back in quite quickly mm-hmm. or is it a bit of a struggle or is it the same thing they're just like oh back. exactly yeah, yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of talk in the salon and there's a lot of talk with the clients as, as brendan was saying you know it, the clients love to hear about that you know they find it exciting yeah because it's a kind of world that's like, wow, well, we've never known anything like that. They'll all pick up Vogue or Dazed or Wonderland or anything else and see it. But if you're talking about the shows and you're picking out, actually, that shoot, so-and-so did this and that's the look, you know, that they find it really interesting. Yeah. And it kind of sets you out a little bit high amongst the other, your other salons that are around yeah. you then. So what would you both say to somebody, what would you say, Brendan, to a salon owner who might um, be concerned that if they encourage or allow some of their team to go off and do these exciting things they're sort of almost creating either monsters (laughs) or or people (laughs) (laughs) I know a bit on PC but or people who perhaps might then not settle back down and perhaps they'll lose them because that's always a big fear what would you say to somebody to allay that because you don't seem to be concerned about that no I think the main thing is to market um, to think as a salon owner about marketing the salon so it's about if you can encourage them to try and get a picture with a model that they can put in the local paper, um, think again about the biographies on the website, think, think about their social media, their Instagram, um, their story for that day, the newsletter going out to all the clients, isn't it great that Sensei's at Fashion Week? Um, I think it's all about going out to bring people back in, to give your point a difference in the town that you work in, that you can be you know, in Yorkshire or, you know, you can be in um, Devon and, you know, be at the centre of fashion somewhere. Um, That is what's going to make you different to anywhere else um, in terms of marketing. Yeah. And similarly, Simon, you see it very positively, I'm sure. I see it really positively, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's beneficial for your staff to push on and best themselves. Put it this way, right? Okay, so you you've got a team of people, and like like for my son, for instance, you know they they are we've got people that work in industry, 
got people working in session. We've got clients, staff that are actually working, are just quite happy working there with their clients each day. If somebody is focused on becoming a session stylist, whether it's on the shows or on magazine shoots, what kind of out of salon experience is useful to get? Should they be offering to help at any local show or, or just getting out there, or are there things that are particularly useful? I think if they've got um, a model agency local to the salon, that is the first place that you should probably go um, because quite often you can then start to test. And when we talk about testing, it's um, with up and coming photographers. So you can build up a portfolio and you can start to learn. Um, but you can also have access to great models and makeup artists. So I think testing would be the first thing. Um, if you're in an area that you know you don't have um, that, um, there's always local photographers um, that you could probably find and colleges and things like that just to start to um, understand about fashion and try and recreate things so that you know you can then take that forward um, and then of course getting involved in industry events I would say gives you the opportunity to then um, move on to the next level. Like how do you decide what opportunities outside of your salon to take on? As you've been in it for longer and longer, you get more and more choosy over what you do, and um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe turn a lot more down. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm still excited oh, by it. What's the difference between a shoot and a show, it, from a work point of view, as a, as the stylist? Well, I I I came into the this industry in a in in a different way. Really, normally you kind of work your way up, testing, and then going. In and, and doing um, you know some shoots and editorials and then you do shows I've come in doing the shows and now I'm starting to do shoots um, <clears throat> so I'd say that um, for editorial hair you know it's it's again it's very similar um, what because it's the stylist that kind of dictate mm. you know the clothes stylist that dictate what the hair is going to be and you know you kind of have a chat with them about what you're going to do um, and that's the, the same people probably that are behind the shows as well yeah so it's still a collaboration um but you know on a much small, and often with one or two models so is it important to know how you're going to change the hair or is that not necessarily the yes driver? you do have to plan it out and look at the clothes of where the story is going to go with the editorial so um, you would then obviously maybe start with um, something that was more simple and build up uh, or something that was more, more difficult because mm. it was time consuming and then build, break it down. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's really working as a team with the photographer really and with the, the yeah. stylist. Do you have a preference from session and shoot? Is there one that you prefer? Um, I find them quite different. In a way, I mean, with session, it's like you've got a timer mm. and you've got, you know, three hours or four hours to create this look and get everything turned around. Mm. So there's quite a pressure, quite a buzz. You've got that element to um, getting the whole team that everybody's working in the right way. But usually, you know, your number two person is able to like, you know, be on the lookout for that for you. But um I find that the shoots are more relaxed. So I, 
I, I like both. I mean, mm. with a photo shoot, you have a you know fabulous picture and you can see how that whole story panned out. But I get the same with my shows because I always have um, the mood video mm. and I have the behind the scenes video as well as uh, the photography. So yeah. With um, an editorial shoot, how much of a brief do they give you in advance or do you literally turn up on the day and then you're presented you with do, the model yeah, and the looks? You do, you do get a, um, a brief in advance. I mean, it depends if you're doing the shoot yourself or you're working with someone on the shoot. Um, I'm, I'm probably leaning more to sort of working more with shoots now anyway. I'm quite, I think after all them years, I'm kind of sort of like I'm saying, applying all these ideas and tools to, to my own work and some of the stuff I do is a little bit off the wall. Um, but then there are other times where we have to sort of rein it back in again. I like using a lot of film as well. When we're doing a shoot, we're working a lot of film. We did a shoot with, um, I was working with Samantha Hillaby on them with Ranking Last Year of Hunger with um, Kendall Jenner. And you kind of think, you know, like Brennan Sam on the show, you may have, you know, anything from 30 to sort of 70 models sometimes on the show. And probably 80% of them have to have the same hair, or you have a few key. Uh, models that may have to have a different look um, but actually when you're doing a shoot it's um, it tends to be that one look or you can be a little bit versatile with it um, so there'll be a concept of the hair mm. um, but actually that can be sort of changed and made a little bit versatile we had three wigs cut and shaped in for Kendall last I think it was last year yeah um, and it was quite um, Madame Monroe-ish and in the end we didn't even use any of them we used her hair and mm. it was it was fine so I quite like the fact that you can run over on a shoot. Yeah. Whereas, as Brim was saying, you know, you are limited to a certain amount of time on a show. So it's probably a little bit less stressful and, you know, you can use your thought process a lot more. So styling products have got better, I believe, but there are just so many of them. Is What's your sort of go-to products, the multitasking? It's, um, I think, a mousse. Oh, it's never going to go mousse and hairspray doesn't matter what you've got in your kit a mousse and hairspray I think you also need things to to break down I mean, sometimes we've used hairspray to remove hair wefts like the glue out the back if we've had to put yeah. wefts in yeah. the alcohol to break it down yeah. um, and a dry shampoo because you haven't really got the opportunity to if you've got a girl come from another show or a few girls that come from another show and they've turned up to your show late yeah and the look that you're going to do is something big and wild and they've come up with something with that's quite oily which yeah. doesn't really happen or i wouldn't really use because they know it's a no-no because they've got another show you can't get it out yeah. if there's any certain amount of oil in there you need to have that dry shampoo because you haven't got the opportunity or the luxury of having a backwash yeah. to wash it all through so yeah you've got to work thank quick god for on powders that, you know? mm. yeah yeah and what about yours go have you got a favorite <laughs> multitasker <laughs> probably shampoo um, if you're the last show of the day, sometimes, you know, you can't get away <coughs> without shampooing the hair. And I mean, we've done shows where we've had models lying back with a bottle of water yeah, yeah. outside shampooing their hair. Um, or we did a show that was in a garage and uh, we found a hose and uh, we've done it there. So um, I'd say probably like a lot of prep sprays um, are really good. Um, for working with the hair or like leave-in conditioner uh, type things and um, I've you know used a lot of gel in the last year um, so it's like finding the perfect gel um, really was uh, quite a task 
Um, and does it are those products yeah. very different from what you would use in the salon typically I mean would no. you still no, use a lot of always, the yeah, same still use in the salon yeah 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 so you need um, experience you need to network and get to know people in your local area and then sort of extend your reach and, and get to know people who might get you into doing some session work you need to find so the finances we haven't talked about so you might have the lead might have a fee for doing the show from the designer but sponsorship I guess is very important so you've got to be good at finding sponsors yes sponsors is um, probably the the biggest thing I mean it's great for you if you've got L'Oreal or or Weller behind you um, and other people have to um, maybe use different sponsors on different shows um, some designers want to be paid a fee some of them don't want to be paid a wow, fee so you pay sometimes mm-hmm. for the opportunity to do <clears throat> yeah or the sponsor will need to pay the designer yeah and you yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah the sponsorship is really trying to build up um, and then different companies one month or one season they might have you know a big budget and the next season have no budget so you're always you know needing to network and show that you're professional and that people yeah. are going to get value for money if they sponsor you. Yeah. I think the product companies do have a bit of a war sometimes on bidding wars. I know there's a, I won't mention the name, but it was a show, quite a big show that um, I was asked to assist on. And um, the product company, or sort of the sponsors that were going to do it, were outbid by another product company. Um, so we were dropped from that because the, the lead wasn't part of who we were working with so wow. you know yeah. shows can drop and come and go and also come in at last minute as well yeah how do you justify that as a business owner if you're sending a member of your team out to do a show for experience maybe mm-hmm. yeah. um, but then obviously that money is not coming into your salon because they haven't got a mm-hmm. list of a column full for that day I how think do you it shows, weigh that up it goes to show if you're hungry enough to learn what you want to do you know I mean to have the opportunity to work with some of these lead stylists is you can't buy that of course um, I've done, I'll, I'll just give you an example of where something happened to me which worked fantastically um, where I wasn't paid um, yeah again working with Samantha Hillaby we did this is going back about 8-9 years we did the hours for British Vogue um, cover and a, about a 6 page editorial on site you you know if someone said you can not get paid for it you wouldn't care the would you? singer Adele yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean you're not you know the fact is that you're getting the opportunity to actually work yeah. on a Vogue cover and so like so you know you're going to do that sort of thing you're also going to learn a set of skills again and everything mm. else but the roll on from that was the assistant photographer was doing a photo shoot with um, do you remember Dexy's Midnight Runners Kevin's now big one of my clients he contacted me and said look could you do the hair for the shoot and from that moment onwards, I've worked with Dexy for the last eight years and with Kevin on videos and everything else. So it's the it's the bigger picture. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. You, there's nowhere proper schools that are going to teach you the skills that you're going to learn at Fashion Week other than doing that. So there's certain things you will be doing for free. Yeah. Um, but I think the new generation that come on board have to realise that. So thank you very much to Simon and Brendan. Yes. And thank you to everyone who listened to the Respectfully podcast again this week on how to balance working in and out of the, the salon. I hope that was helpful to hear some of the 
thoughts and, and views and conversations. Yeah. yeah. And as ever, we have prepared show notes. So if you'd like to scroll down, you'll be able to get some of the references that we have been talking about here on the show and interesting links and reminders of some of the key points. Yeah. And as ever, you can email us at info at ihaa.co.uk if you want to join in on the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. And please do subscribe to the Respectfully podcast and join us again in the future. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.